Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lays it in! Zach Levine! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast brought to you by Axios. Uh, check, please check out sports.axios.com. Axios has a great newsletter. I signed up. You get a bunch of sports stuff from Axios in your email box, inbox every day. A bunch of great stuff in there. But as we go into talking about the Chicago Bulls here, the Bulls are back, Ricky. The Bulls are back. They have played two preseason games. Uh, they, they're 0-2, but the 0-2 record really doesn't mean anything. It's obviously preseason. The outcomes don't really matter. Uh, their opener, they lost to the Bucks 122-112 to on Monday. It was kind of a skeleton Bucks crew. Kind of a weird game. The Lopez twins were kind of dominating. Uh, I mean, whatever. Like I said, the, the Bucks fire a bunch of threes. They're really deep. They're a really good team. Even without Giannis, without Middleton, they still looked really good. The, the Bulls were a bit sluggish defensively in that game. We did see Lowry Markin and Zach Levine pouring in some threes. Uh, we'll obviously talk more about how they've looked individually. Uh, nobody really stood out that much in that game. We did see just kind of balanced scoring across the board. The Bulls had six guys in double figures, led by Zach Levine. Again, they lost that game 122 to 112. The more exciting game uh, is the game on Wednesday night against the Pelicans. They, the Bulls welcomed, welcomed Zion Williamson to the United Center. Uh, the Bulls lost 127-125, but that is a final score that does not show at all, reflect at all how the game actually went. The Bulls were actually uh, fucking outstanding in that game. The guys that really mattered, uh, I will note that Wendell Carter Jr. has not played yet, so we've been seeing, seeing Christiana Felicio start. He's barely played. He's been awful. But the rest of the starters, Zach Levine, Larry Markin, Otto Porter Jr., Tomas Sadoransky started Game 2, Chris Dunn started Game 1. But against the Pelicans, the, the, basically the starting unit, the main starting guys, looked absolutely incredible. Zach Levine had 28 points on 10 of 16 shooting, uh, 4 of 7 from 3. I believe it, I think he had 16 points, and I think made all of his shots in, the, in a 45-point second quarter. Otto Porter, 16 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Sadoransky, 11 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. Just the assists. The Bulls racked up 38 assists in this game. They had 34 through three quarters, and they had, I believe it was a 21-point lead through after three quarters. They ended up blowing it. The Bulls bench, the Scrubs, the Pel- and the Pelicans bench, they caught fire. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, not Nikhil Alexander-Williams, as Neil Funk kept calling him, was hitting threes. Josh Howard was hitting threes, and the Bulls bench just kind of fell apart. But overall, an outstanding performance by the Bulls offense. And that is one of the big things uh, I know, Ricky, you want to talk about here, is the Bulls offense, after last year when Boylan took over, was a complete dog shit, slow it down, pounded in the post crap. They talked about they were going to play faster this year, and we saw that basically just full steam ahead against the Pelicans. The offense looked great. They were moving the ball. Ricky, talk about what you saw from the Bulls offense in that Pelicans game especially. Well, first of all, Jason, it's great just to have NBA basketball back, isn't it? Yes, it it is. Uh, For as critical as we've been about the Bulls the last few years, it was still awesome to see some of these new additions take the floor with the team. It was really bizarre to see the Bulls on an ESPN game in the preseason. They only have one more national televised game the entire year. So the first one coming in the preseason was a bit bizarre. We know that that's fully about Zion Williamson and nothing about the Bulls. Zion was absolutely insane in that game, by the way. What a phenomenal talent. 29 points in 27 minutes. Goes 12 of 13 from the floor. We'll talk about him a little bit more later. But Jason, I want to start off this podcast 
with a question for you after yeah. watching these first two preseason games. Here's what's popping into my mind. Will the Bulls finish with a better offensive efficiency ranking than their defensive efficiency ranking? And just so you know, the last time the Bulls' offense has finished ahead of their defense was 2009 when they ended up playing the Boston Celtics in that epic first-round series, D-Rose's rookie year. So we've gone the entirety of this decade with the defense finishing either tied or ahead of the offense every single year. Running down some of the stats, last year it was offense 29, defense 25. The year before that, <laughs> offense 28, defense 28. In 17, this is the team in Hoiberg's first year that missed the playoffs, I believe. Uh, or actually, yes. maybe this was the second year. But offense no, 21, yeah. defense 5. 16, offense 23, uh, defense 15. In 15, that was actually Hoiberg's first year. That's the one I was thinking of. 17 was the three alphas year, of course. They actually finished 11 in offense and 11 in defense and missed the playoffs that year in Hoiberg's first season. But, yeah, you can run all the way down the list. And the last time their offense has been more efficient than their defense, at least in terms of the league-wide rankings, was 2009 when they finished 15th in offense, 18th in defense. Jason, after watching these first two games, do you think the Bulls' offense will be more efficient than the defense? Uh, I, absolutely. I kind of, I feel like I've kind of expected that coming into the year. I mentioned that, I think I mentioned at one, a previous podcast that if the bulls could possibly be like a top half of the league offense, uh, I still don't think their defense is going to be that good. Hopefully it's a thing where they'll get better the, as the year goes on. But yeah, I mean, especially if they're going to be playing like they did the pushing pace, chucking threes, the first game they took, I believe it was 38 threes against the Pelicans. They took 37, uh, again, the pace has been just is way faster. Last year, again, with Boylan, when they were doing the slow it down thing, it was awful to watch. They picked it up a bit in February. But, I mean, these first few games, I know I feel like everyone pushes pace in preseason. Pace is always way up across the board, and it always starts the regular season fast, too. And then as year goes on, it slows down. So, obviously, they're not going to be playing this fast all year. But if you, I think after these first couple games that are like, I think like tied for fifth in pace at like 100, like 12 possessions per 48 minutes, something like that's so like just crazy stuff. Some of that is also the Pelicans are also going to be playing probably maybe the fastest team in the league. But I mean, yeah, just the way the ball was moving, the way they're shooting up threes and five out offense, like I would be shocked if the offense is actually worse than the defense this year. Yeah, and I think the first thing we need to do is recognize what's changed on the bench, and that's that the Bulls actually brought in an offensive coordinator this year, Chris Fleming, who had previously been with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets never really had superstar talent, but made themselves into a pretty formidable team last year by just building a very modern offense. Uh, the Bulls poached their top assistant in Chris Fleming, and I think that you can immediately see the dividends that his influence has had on the offensive end. The Bulls, the mid-range jumpers are out. Finally, they're taking shots on the floor from the most efficient areas. Stefan No had the stats. After the first game, I don't have him in front of me, but it was something like 70 or 80% of their shots were either yep. from three or in the paint. That's a great sign. I think the side-to-side -side ball movement is also a great sign. That really has been lacking the last couple of years. It's, first of all, uh, an issue with personnel because yes. Chris Dunn being switched out for Tomas Sadoransky, I think, also helps facilitate more of a ball movement-friendly system. Uh, it's on Levine, too, because we know Levine's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands a lot of the time in the half court. But 
clearly like their points of emphasis are different this year Boylan even said that in training camp you're only as good as your points of emphasis and for the Bulls this year I think it's going to actually be taking efficient shots on offense now none of this speaks to the defense which was pretty brutal I thought uh for both of these two games we could get a little bit more into that later but Bulls look like they could be a, a pretty decent offensive team and that's sort of fun yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like you mentioned, the just like the shot selection, just like the shot distribution. I, I mean, you look at a guy like Zach Levine. I think both games he's been at like fifty percent, like a three point rate of fifty percent in terms of like half of his shots have come from three. And I, we've mentioned this before. I think last year he took like five threes a game. That's way too low. Uh, like this Pelicans game, he took seven threes out of sixteen field goal times in twenty four minutes, and he made four. That's great. Like, he should be taking eight, nine threes a game. I've mentioned Larry on Twitter multiple times, and we've talked about it on these podcasts. Larry Markin should be taking, like, eight threes a game. Uh, he took six against the uh, against the Pelicans. He only made two, but he did, I think, believe he was four. He was four of eight against against the Bucks, and that was in only 22 minutes. So these guys are, they're getting up, they're getting up threes. They're not hesitating. Uh, and it's really just great to see. And they're, and they're creating really good looks. And just, you mentioned, like, the personnel and the skill level. I mean, it's just clearly obvious, just obvious just how much, Having like actual NBA players and guys who can pass and guys who make smart decisions, how much that just helps. Uh, just the smart passing, making the extra pass to get guys open. There was one pass I really liked uh, that Thad Young made out to Otto Porter. He got the ball under the basket. He could have got, probably gone up and finished for a layup over over a defender, but instead of that, he made this quick kind of no look pass. Otto Porter was wide open for three on the on the wing, and he made it. And that's just that kind of stuff. That extra passing. And just having these guys, whether it's Thad Young, whether it's Sadransky, whether they have a, another point guard in Kobe White now. Uh, I mean, having Otto Porter for a full season. just And we have, they don't even have Wendell Carter Jr. yet, and he's a great passer. Even Denzel Valentine, who who's he still looks kind of rough because his athleticism is so pathetic. Uh, some real ugly stuff there when he tries to get in the paint. But he's also a really good passer uh, and a pretty good three-point shooter. So even a guy like that who's maybe like your ninth or tenth man, who can actually shoot the ball and pass? Like just having these more these more skilled players out on the court compared to what we saw last year, when it was a lot of bums out there and a lot of guys who just really couldn't do that much offensively. It just makes a world of difference. And with Bo- and with Boylan and Fleming letting these guys out get out and run and doing this, like it's they have the personnel to do it. There's no reason not to do it. And so far, we're going to see it. And hopefully, hopefully they keep doing it. Yeah, so I'm going to start this off a little bit on a bummer of a note because, you know, I've been seeing a lot of talk on Twitter on some other Bulls podcasts like this is the year for Zach. Zach's going to be an all-star this year. Uh, Zach crushed it yesterday against the Pelicans. He finished the game with 28 points on 10 of 16 shooting. He is attempting more threes this year, which is awesome. While that all sounds great, I still think that uh, this game against the Pelicans really underscored the difference between a true star level player in Zion Williamson. If he's not there already, he's certainly going to be. I have absolutely no doubt about that as long as he stays healthy and Zach. And I say this because yeah, Zach played great in this game against the Pelicans. Let's not forget guys. He averaged like 29 a game through the first month last year when Markinen was hurt. He averaged 24 a game on the season on above average true shooting efficiency on high volume. So we know the dude can get buckets. Uh, I just wonder like when I look at this Bulls team, they're going to have to win to me with more like we have a really solid eight or nine man rotation. Everyone can carry their weight and we can beat the rest of these shitty teams in the East more so than like Zach Levine go out there and win us the game. Because if the strategy is still Zach Levine go out there and win us the game, 
he's not going to be as good as almost anyone else's best player on a night-to-night basis. Even if you're looking at the teams they're competing with for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, the Pistons, if they can get another Blake year like he had last year, the Magic with Vucevic, who had an absolutely insane year last year for Orlando. Uh, I really thought that like watching Zion, who just had like so much gravitational pull and the defense was keyed in on him on every single time he was driving the ball to the lane. There were screenshots where the Bulls had four or five guys in the paint, and Zion was either finishing through those guys or he was kicking out to the corner to make the easy pass. Meanwhile, I'm going on Twitter, and I'm seeing Zach Levine losing a one-on-one contest to Ryan Archie Diacono (laughs) on the team's YouTube page. And that was a team-produced and team-put-out YouTube video. The message behind it was basically like, we're gritty. We're going to be the underdog. We're going to fight Ryan Archie Diacono personifies this team but at the same time also your best player just got his ass kicked by probably your 10th or 11th man in a one-on-one tournament uh i think that you know levine had the best year of his career last year he should build on that season this year i think that an all-star berth is possibly on the table if the bulls are in playoff position but they need to win with depth and with system and with everyone carrying their weight more so than like it's the Zach Levine show in crunch time because we know he can score efficiently. He did it last year. He still didn't have a strong impact. I think that as long as he improves a little bit defensively, a little bit as a passer, there's good things in Zach Levine's future, but I just don't feel comfortable like crowning him and expecting him to be, you know, the guy who's really going to right the ship because the next time, Jason, the next time the Bulls are seriously a contender in the NBA, whenever the hell that is, that player, the player on that team who will be the best guy in the squad is not currently on the team. Levine will either be in a secondary role or he'll be off the team. But in terms of being like really high level winning, of course, no one expects the Bulls to do that this year. Uh, you know, Levine, while talented and while he's still going to get buckets and he's going to score efficiently, to me, he's it's still a little bit underwhelming as your best player. And I think looking at someone like Zion sort of underscored that. Yeah, I mean, as, as the best player on like a really, really good team, I would probably agree with you. I do like we've talked again, we've talked about this a lot about Zach, what his ceiling is, like what his place is on like the next really good Bulls team. And yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, ultimately, I think that's why, like, we still think, like, they're going to be, whatever, high 30s, maybe they get in the 40s and uh, maybe seek in the playoffs, and, and that's where you're going to be with Zach Lemon as your best player. I mean, maybe, I'm not going to rule him out, rule it out, like, him making some sizable jump here, because, I mean, he has looked really good so far. I know, like, Stacey King did bring this up on the broadcast last night, but how, uh, even though the Bulls had a ton of assists and, like, the offense looked great, how he, he was still looking for Zach to be more of a playmaker, I mean, I, I couldn't really complain that much, because I feel like... For the most part, he, the ball still was moving, and even if he only had the one assist, like he was scoring like crazy in the ball, and they they were like hockey assists, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like the Bulls are still pro- a mediocre team. We're not going to go crazy here over like they've looked good, they've looked fun, they've looked exciting, but overall, still probably a mediocre team. They're still missing a dominant two-way superstar, which Zion Williamson is bound to become. Zion's, Zion was really bad on defense, but obviously just the... The offense and the defense will come and the offense, you mentioned just like the body control, the speed, the strength, finishing through three, four guys, how he's able to do that at that size is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there's a reason why he's been considered like the best prospect since Anthony Davis or whatever, even LeBron, however you want to call it. Like he's obviously super special. Zach Levine is not on that level. Zach Levine, his best is probably like a, is probably like a secondary star on a title team, but 
I mean, the Bulls right now, they got to deal with what they got, and that's probably Zach Levine as the top scorer at 24-25 a game. And if he can do that efficiently, and like you said, improve hopefully as a playmaker and a little bit on defense, and if the rest of these, you mentioned the depth, and I mentioned I mentioned this, the, having all these guys with more skill, if they can stay healthy, that's a team that should be a lot of fun and that could complete, compete for a playoff spot. All right, so I just went on that whole Zach rant, and people listening <laughs> to that are probably pissed off because that was just like an uncalled-for shot. We really have more positive things to talk about, but I think it leads into my next point, which is that the Bulls really sort of do have, I think, a solid nine-man rotation this year with some other guys beneath that. I think the depth on this roster has been totally improved. I think that all of their acquisitions in 2019, their four non-rookie acquisitions being Otto Porter via the trade, then the three free agent signings of Thad Young, Thomas Sadoransky, Luke Cornett, are all going to be key pieces for this team just in terms of building out a really good eight or nine man rotation. So the way I have it now, I think if the Bulls play a nine man rotation, which is likely to be fair, you have your obvious starters, point guard Sadoransky, it's got to be Sadoransky, at the twos, Levine, at the three, you got Otto. At the four, you got Lowry. At the five, you got Wendell Carter Jr. We haven't seen him play yet. Hopefully, he's good to go for the start of the season. Now, let's talk about the bench. There's no doubt the sixth man, Thaddeus Young. He's tremendous. You can already see that he's living up to what the Bulls wanted him to be in terms of leadership, given uh, the way he was speaking at Media Day, and just being like a heady two-way guy. I thought that that was evident as well. In both of the first two preseason games, he was stretching the floor with his jump shot a little bit. He was, uh, you know, defending tough. He was making the extra pass. Really like Thaddeus Young. He's your sixth man. Seventh man, I'm going to put Chris Dunn in that role for now because I think he's their best guard. Chris Dunn obviously leaves a lot to be desired, and he was not very good against the Pelicans. Why is Chris Dunn on this team, Jason? He can do something that no one else but Zach Levine on the roster can do, which is break you down off the dribble on the perimeter and create some offense. So when Levine's not in the game, I think that it benefits the Bulls to have someone like Dunn still on the roster. Uh, if they move him, you know, we'll see what they get back. I think that moving him is definitely still, you know, the the preference for both the player and the team. But if he is on the team, I like Chris Dunn as the seventh man, your first guard off the bench, someone who you know is going to give you solid effort defensively. Offensively, he's not great, but at least he can create his own offense a little bit. Uh, for himself and for his teammates, even if it's not the most efficient offense. So I like him as the seventh man, eighth man, Luke Cornett. We should talk about Luke Cornett. I was really high on the signing originally. He was awesome, dude. And what really surprised me was the fact that he could operate in space a little bit as a passer, which I did not expect. You think about Cornett, it's like he has an obvious skill set of being huge, being able to seal off the rim on defense as a rim protector, then on offense, stretching the floor with his jump shot. I did not expect him to be someone who can create advantage situations out of the pick and roll when he gets the ball in the short roll, passing to the corners, hitting open teammates. He was really passing the ball well, I thought, in the second preseason game. That might have been the biggest thing that struck me on an individual play individual player level from this second game i like Cornette as your eighth man now you got two front court guys in thad and Cornette, both in your you know is your uh first and third guys off the bench the bulls are once again heavy in the front court it seems like it's been that way all throughout this decade dating back to the taj gibson years the omer chic years even the pow years uh, but I'm feeling really good about Cornette. The fact that he's making $2 million a year and Felicio's making $8 million a year <laughs> is a goddamn <laughs> crime. So <laughs> I'm glad Felicio got his money. Felicio, you know, on a personal level, I guess 
I don't care for Felicio uh, whatsoever and hope to never watch him play basketball again for the Bulls <laughs> because him starting this these two games is just a fucking waste of an opportunity for the Bulls. Felicio should never be on the court when the games count, so why the hell are you putting him on the court during the preseason games? Get him out. So we have our eighth eight-man rotation with those guys. Nine, I like Valentine as your ninth man. Like you said, he can really shoot, and I think that some like in these first two preseason games, there were times when guys were missing him too. Dunn didn't see him open in the corner. Kobe White, even when he was finishing through people, we'll talk about Kobe White a little bit more later in the episode. Uh, I thought that you know he missed some opportunities where he had Valentine spotting along the three-point line. Denzel can really shoot, so I like that. And then you know you got Kobe and Arch too. Not to mention Chandler Hutchison. Big takeaway from the first two preseason games, even though we haven't seen the Bulls have their full roster quite yet, uh, I think the the overall talent on the team has just been boosted, and you're going to see it in Boylan's rotations. Now it's on Boylan to actually put guys in the position to succeed and to make the right substitution patterns. Yeah, absolutely. And they talked about on the broadcast a lot just how that they do seem a lot deeper. Like and I mentioned it earlier in this podcast as well. It just it's really nice to have all these guys, and they're not playing. I mean, it, even even going deeper than that. I mean, Gafford has looked decent in his minutes. Like I'm assuming Gafford will be ahead of Felicia in the rotation. At least she, Felicia is basically just dead weight at the end of the roster at this point. Uh, they still have Shaq Harrison as well. So like Shaq Harrison and Arch as like your 12th and 13th guys instead of like your. <laughs> sixth or seventh just it just looks so much better obviously this is all health based like guys can't get hurt but even then even if guys do get hurt uh there is there is some depth there to back them up you hope a guy like Otto Porter doesn't get hurt because they, the Bulls are a little thin on the wing there but uh before we start before we talk any more about like Kobe White I know we want to talk about him and maybe the rookie play uh let's take a quick word from our sponsors Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. And that's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and again, it is free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. So join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And the best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription free fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. So, again, sign up at sports.axios.com and get to try to for free at sports.axios.com. Jason, did you know that humans have been shaving for thousands of years? In the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed all that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering on what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Personally, I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, an easy guide, and an affordable price. Do yourself a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire to start your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential, Jason, that's quality and durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 a blade. Harry's is just super convenient. 
Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you to try them at all. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. So listeners of Cash Considerations, go redeem your Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You will get a weighted aeronomic handle with a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry when you're on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today and we're back cash considerations chicago bulls podcast talking about the bulls first two preseason games they are zero and two but we've seen a lot of good things we were just talking about their rotation and you mentioned den you mentioned denzel being maybe ahead of kobe white in the rotation interestingly enough kobe has gotten a lot of minutes here in these on uh, these first couple games obviously again it's preseason with the things will probably be different. Denzel's still getting his legs back because the dude has not played uh, in over a year. He hasn't played tw- since 2017-18. But we've seen Kobe White, go, I, th- I believe, check in first both games. I can't remember exactly. But Kobe White's been playing basically the most minutes out of anybody. Uh, pretty, He looked pretty solid in the Pelicans game. Uh, he, at least his first stint, he looked really good. Just We saw the aggressiveness, the energy, just pushing the ball, pushing the pace. We know that's the game he has. Uh, as far like I said, his first stint was really good. He completely outplayed Chris Dunn. I mentioned this on Twitter. Chris Dunn looked invisible, while Kobe White had some really nice finishes around the basket. A few nice defensive plays as well. As well, Kobe, he did kind of fade off in the second half. I, he has forced some shots. The shot, shot selection is a thing I think will be an issue for a lot of the year. It's, he has had a few early clock step back long twos. Not great. His three-point shooting is still kind of iffy, which we saw in summer league. But I think that's stuff that's going to come along. Once he slows, once he slows down a bit, I mean, I guess slowing down really usually isn't a thing for him, but I think at some point the game will just slow down for him. He'll make better decisions. He won't take such bad shots against the Pelicans. He had 13 points, six of 15 shooting overall, one of five from three, added three rebounds, three assists. Uh, that was in 26, almost 27 minutes in the Bucks game. He had 12 points. Uh, only three of ten shooting, one of uh, one of three from three, but he did get to the free throw line eight times. Again, driving to the basket, drawing some fouls. That was really nice to see. Uh, what have you liked? What have you disliked from Bulls' number seven overall pick, Kobe White, so far? Yeah, like Kobe, I liked the pick at the time when they made it. I did a big story on SBNation.com talking to his high school coach, talking to Kobe at the combine. Uh, I did some video breakdown in that story as well. You can still find it if you take out your Google machine and search for it on SB Nation. I've always liked Kobe. I do want to temper the expectations a bit on him, but I have to say I was pretty impressed with him in that Pelicans game. That was the best he's looked in a Bulls uniform so far. That's counting the preseason. I think his speed is immediately evident. I tweeted a video uh, of him against the Bucks where off a made basket, he took the ball... Uh, from the inbounds passer, raced down the court and got fouled by the time the shot clock hit 20. That's Kobe White's bread and butter. His open floor speed is phenomenal, and the Bulls need to find ways to leverage that. Now, just because he has great end-to-end open floor speed, I don't think that that necessarily means he's going to be like waltzing his way to the basket all the time because... The NBA is more about like learning how to control tempo at your own rate. Like yeah. that's what James Harden is so good at, deaccelerating more so than accelerating. So Kobe's going to have to learn when to play slow. There was a time in the Pelicans game 
where against uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he put him in jail, which is what they call when you have the defender on your back hip. And he actually ended up scoring on that play. I thought that uh, it was one of his more impressive plays of the night. Now, we'll see if he's able to do that consistently. He just has a very thin frame, which I think is going to be hard for him against regular starters. And it's not just his upper body, which is obviously very thin, but his lower body. So to me, my question with Kobe and, you know, looking at how he played yesterday, he only attempted one free throw. What I worry about for Kobe is that he's going to make the game hard on himself because he's not going to be able to get to the foul line consistently because despite his speed, he isn't someone who's going to generate great power and then like be able to absorb contact and still get a shot off, right? And that's not going to come because he's not strong enough and he's not explosive enough in his legs. So what I mostly think is going to happen with Kobe is that his success is going to come down to his pull-up jump shooting ability and his spot-up shooting ability. Uh, He has not been able to hit shots since he's put on a Bulls uniform, both in summer league or in the preseason. I do think he's going to be able to hit shots eventually. What you like about him now is that he's definitely aggressive. I think he plays with a style that's going to be really fun to watch. I think that he's going to be able to shoot. We saw him, you know, make some quick decisions with the ball as a spot-up shooter. I like that on the one three he drained early in this game. Uh, and, you know, I hope that his passing and his ability to see the floor continues to develop. The only way that's going to happen is if he gets live reps in games. I thought the way he was scoring when he was attacking the basket was really impressive, but I don't know if it's going to be sustainable. What I want to see him do is to find the shooters in the corners, to be able to create, you know, to be able to use his speed to create easy shots for his teammates. Uh, against the Pelicans, he was mostly looking for his own offense, which is which is good, which is fine. I think that's useful in this setting, especially in the preseason. Uh, still want to see him shoot it better. And my main takeaway on Kobe is that his success this year is mostly going to come down to how well he shoots it. Uh, I think it's going to take a couple years, but he's going to be a good pick. I think eventually he'll be a good player. And if nothing else, Jason, the dude's really tall. He's 6'5". Uh, He was a top 10 pick. He's young, only playing one season in college. I think, you know, worst case scenario, he's got high trade value, and that's pretty good for the Bulls too. Yeah, sure. Uh, The playmaking, I think, is a thing that's definitely going to be a work in progress. Uh, It's just going to be, I mean, because I feel like he wasn't really like a natural, he didn't really become like a natural point till like his first year at Carolina, right? Is that, am I off on that? I feel like he's still learning the position, right. basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's going to be a work in progress. And it'll be interesting, especially if they if the Bulls do start Sadoransky, uh, which, again, Casey Johnson wrote something at NBC Sports Chicago today saying that Boylan hasn't, has not quite uh, decided yet, but he says it's coming soon. I assume it's going to be Sadoransky. He looked really good with the starters yesterday after a few ugly turnovers, but after that, he was really good. Dunn just has not shown enough. I think we've seen enough of that. So it will be interesting to see if they do have, if they do run this Kobe Chris Dunn backcourt, kind of how that plays out in terms of like their on ball, off ball, kind of how they like kind of split how they do that. Because I feel like when they played together yesterday, again, Kobe was like super aggressive with the ball, but again, mostly looking for his own shot while Chris Dunn was invisible. Like, I'm not totally sure how that's going to work because we know Chris Dunn's better with the ball in his hands. I mean, Kobe might be more, again, you mentioned the spot-up shooting. I wonder if he will be more in position to just be like a two, the two-guard off the bench if Chris Dunn's going to be the backup, a backup point guard with the ball in his hands more. I am curious to see how that how that works out, that, that dynamic, dynamic with those two players. It will be interesting to see. Uh, 
I guess briefly mention I'll mention Daniel Gafford, the other rookie. Uh, I feel like he's done some really nice things as well. It's kind of just what we saw in summer league, just super aggressive, athletic. We saw him diving all over the court in the first game. We saw the alley oops attacking the offensive glass. I guess I don't think he's probably he's probably not going to play much because Cornette is a guy who looks like he should play. You mentioned Cornette and the really nice things he did. He had four assists. You mentioned the passing. And when we saw them running those these like five out lineups, uh, they started the second half with Cornette instead of Felicio. And they scored something like 21 points in like six or seven minutes. They ran a five-out lineup with, I think it was Kobe, Sadoransky, Levine, Lowry, and Cornette in the second quarter. They had like 20 points in five minutes. So having that kind of stuff is really good. Like I said, I think Gafford will pro- might spend some time in the G League or he'll be like the fifth big man. But I think if they need a spark, he's a guy who could come in, be a rim runner, uh, that kind of stuff. Have you what what did you like from him? What what do you think he's gonna be his role? Yeah, I be? like him. I want to see more of him. I never want to see Felicio play again. Right. Start Gafford. Give Gafford all those minutes in the preseason. And yeah, let's see what he can do because I I like watching Daniel Gafford play. He's really fun. I think he's actually been better than I anticipated he would yeah. be. Uh, just you know, early in these inconsequential minutes in his NBA Bulls career. Give all of Felicio's minutes to him. Like yesterday, Felicio started, but he only played 13 minutes. Uh, Cornette immediately took a spot in the second half. I thought the Bulls were much better with Cornette on the floor than they were with Felicio. I mean, Felicio in 13 minutes was minus 15. Cornette in 16 minutes was plus 8. So uh, I think that, you know, whether it's Gafford, who in his 12 minutes was minus 2, he did some good things, I think. Uh, Really big, really active. The Bulls actually have some size in the front court now which is nice. Let me see more Daniel Gafford, and I want to see no Felicio under any circumstances. Yeah. I think it's kind of nice how the, because the, they have Wendell will start, a, uh, Wendell update, I believe he went through a full practice on Wednesday, and he's questionable for the Pacers game Friday night. Uh, I, obviously, I hope they're, they're they're playing it super safe with them. Don't, it's preseason, don't need to rush him. If he can get out there for a little bit, great, I guess, but again, don't, worry too much like but it sounds like he is on the mend his bruised tailbone getting healthy again he went through a practice so that's that's good uh i just kind of like the diff- different looks they have at center they have wendell who should be a versatile guy two-way player they have a stretch five in cornet and then they have the rim runner athletic dude in uh and gafford and then obviously they can they'll have lineups where they play lowry at five as well so like they just have a nice little and then thad young as well in the front court they have a nice mix we talk about them having like a ton of front court guys i, I really like the mix that they have though in terms of having just the different skill sets in terms of stretch bigs in terms of athletic rim running big and gafford and then carter should, should hopefully be kind of an all-around solid player so I really, I really do like what they have there. One more thing I want to talk about uh, is the last thing I have in my notes. The note is Jim Boylan's never getting fired. And this is a <laughs> quote from Darnell Mayberry's uh, Darnell's notebook at the beginning of October. Uh, this was from the start of training camp. Boylan said, it's not about me being the head coach. We've got to get this thing right. We've got to get it right for the city. We've got to get it right for the Reinsdorfs. We've got to get it right for John Paxson. We've got to get it right, man. That's my goal. With all the experience you talked about working for other people, that's what we're going to try to do. Dude, Boylan is just kissing so much ass right now. He's such a company, man. You saw him even like... Uh, you know, praising Gar at the introductory press conference. No one praises Gar. <laughs> Obviously, he's been all about Reinsdorf, all about Pax, and the guy's a basketball lifer. He's worked uh, his entire career to try to be the coach of an NBA team. He finally got that opportunity with the Bulls. You know, he's he's kissing ass, man. And as long as he keeps talking about 
the city, about Reinsdorf, about Paxson, about wanting to honor them. Dude, they're never going to fire him. <laughs> uh, you mentioned like playing for the city and all that. How about the quote he had uh, talking about like the defense? And he, and he got like a little shot in like at L.A. It's like in L.A., like they don't care if like you give up a layup or like an uncontested layup. But like in Chicago, like there's like the crowd like makes like a noise. He's like Chicago, like tough, like that's a tough city. And like we need to I can't I don't have the quote in front of me exactly, but it was basically that whole thing. Like Chicago tough. L.A. is not tough at all. Like They don't care about defense out there. Meanwhile, the Clippers might be like the best defensive team in the league, like. Anthony Davis is talking about like defensive player of the year stuff and like Frank Vogel's like a defensive guy. It's just like just the goofy meatball stuff like that. Like that stuff will be obviously be way more endearing if the Bulls actually are good and if they play like a really fun style offense. Like then the Boylanisms will be way more endearing than just like, this guy's a dumb meathead dope. Uh, but it, I mean, it, right now it is still just kind of fun to laugh at that kind of goofy stuff because I mean the, the Chicago again we've talked about this mul- so many times. I like Jim Boylan is the perfect coach. For like for for like this front office and like I mean the Chicago does have like the whole the meatball thing like the Mike Ditka meatball like Chicago tough thing like I mean he's like perfect for it so like they're really gonna play it up like he's perfect like Paxson's the same way so like yeah Jim Boylan job for life he's gonna join Jim Paxson on the job or John, John Paxson on the uh, the job for life <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying dude like I cannot envision a scenario where he gets fired like if they win. 34 games this year which i think would sort of be on the low end of expectations but would still hit the over pretty clearly on the over under so i guess uh it's a little tough for me to say what really qualifies as a success for the bulls this season despite the fact that paxton said pretty much up front this year that you know the team wants to make the playoffs i just don't see a way where they miss the playoffs unless they're a disaster where they actually fire boylan because uh, he's just saying everything the organization wants to hear. Yeah, I mean they love him. They love him. Whatever. We'll see. Like I said, if they're good, like I, I'll, I'll, I, I, we have, we've obviously ripped them a lot here. I hope we're wrong. I would love for Boylan to have this team playing good basketball and them actually taking a big step forward. Um, I guess one of my one other actually one other point I, I forgot to bring was going to bring up. Uh, the ES, ESPN came out today with, I believe it's Kevin Pelton or I think the ESPN does like the ESPN Plus and they do like their. Uh, like their future rankings or whatever, like how teams are set up for the future. Uh, the Bulls are ranked at number two. I think it's like the next three years, like how your team stands for the next three years. Uh, the Bulls are ranked like 22nd there. And like I was looking through like, and I feel like 22nd like feels, it, like an, at first glimpse, I was like, that kind of feels kind of crappy. Like 22nd, like they have this young core, like they might make the playoffs. But And I feel like people, like a lot of like C-Red fans were like, oh, that's ridiculous. The Bulls have one of the brightest futures like in the in the in the league blah 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 but then you think about it, it's like this team still has so much to prove uh what, what do you what would you make of that number 22 ranking on like the for the basically the best futures for the next three years? it's because they just don't have a good enough best player like if you had Luka Doncic on this team instead of what Carter like that's what they need to really elevate themselves into having one of the best young cores in the NBA. Instead, they got a lot of good pieces, but like just like looking at the league league wide this year, I all, almost keep coming back to like you're only as good as your initiator, you're only as good as, you know, your best player who's able to create offense on a consistent basis and I think that while I like Levine's game, I think that he's he's definitely better as a number 2 than as a number 1 and until they get that really high level guy who can be the best player on the team, 
I, I don't think that their future is all that bright. And now it's like they're going to try to make the playoffs. Maybe they do make the playoffs. It's like, how the hell are you going to get this guy? I guess you're going to wait two years, maybe try to nab him in free agency or via a trade. It's tough. The yep. lottery reform definitely came at a very inopportune time for the Bulls, right when they started tanking. So uh, I don't really know what you can do about it. I think 22 is maybe a little bit of a pessimistic view, but you know, to truly see the Bulls as having one of the best young cores in the league, I think they would need a better best player. Yeah, and I think also some of it also they do take into consideration the coaching. Boylan's still a huge wild card, and then the front office. People, the Bulls had a good off season. People still don't trust that front office, and especially in terms of like getting that best player if they want to attract a superstar in free agency or whether it's get a, a superstar in a trade. I don't think people tr- trust the front office. So, when yeah, an initial thought, I was like, oh, that's kind of crappy. But then you think about it, like the Bulls have been a joke for a while now. Like they're going to have to earn it. For, they're going to have to earn the respect. It's it's going to happen with wins. They're going to have to win games this year, and then and then we'll see. Uh, to finish off real quick, we have talked about it a little. We talked about getting a best player. Let's finish off with just a little more Zion talk. Uh, he was like, obviously, like, the hype is ridiculous for Zion. It's insanely high that people are super excited about in New Orleans. Uh, and he is so far in two games, basically totally lived up to it. Like it's, I want the first game he had, uh, I don't remember who, I think it was against the Hawks and the, the dunk he had on, I think it was maybe Damian Jones or maybe John Collins. One of the two words, absolutely ridiculous. And in the bulls game, you mentioned it 12 of 13 from the field and he doesn't have a, a working NBA jumper yet. Everyone's selling out for him. And he's still just finishing everything. And it's what we saw at Duke. Like, and people were doubting it. And I saw today people were like, Shannon Sharp was yapping. And I feel like other, like I had somebody in my mentions yesterday after I tweeted about Zion, how ridiculous it was like, he put it like, put it up over nobody, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like people are still doubting him just because I think, feel like it's kind of just popular to go against the hype and just kind of be contrarian. And the fact that he doesn't have that jumper. So I guess my question to you is, like, what do you think? What do you think he's going to put up this year? What What do you think is a realistic ceiling for him just this season alone? Probably eighteen or nineteen a game, but it's like his impact goes so far beyond the numbers. Right. Is the thing like he had one play in this game where he drove to the center of the paint. There were the four spin. guys in the yeah. paint, yeah. and he shot the ball out to Frank Jackson in the yes. corner for yes. a wide open yes. three. The guy just attracts so much attention, and it's like, yeah, he mostly only scores at the rim. Uh, if you look at his shot attempts from the game yesterday, they were all like directly at the rim, but he makes everything. He hit 75% of his twos at Duke last season. I think he's going to make a ridiculously high percentage of his twos in the NBA, even as a rookie. And so it's like, he's going to create so many open threes for his teammates just because he's converting at such a high rate near the basket that guys are going to have to crowd the paint. You can't guard him one-on-one, especially not near the rim. It'll be fascinating to see him go up against guys like Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner, some of the better rim protectors in the NBA. But mostly he's going to create a lot of easy shots for his teammates. Uh, That's something where, I mean, I went on this whole rant already, but like, I think that that really separates, you know, what a true superstar is and where Zach is. Zach is kind of playing that role for the Bulls by default. Zion, to me, he, he's just there already. Like, he's already wrecking these NBA players like they're college kids, you know? Uh, people wondered if that physicality would translate against pros the same way it did in the ACC. I know it's only two games in the preseason, but I'm already sold. So this was basically a Zion podcast all last year. I don't want to be talking about Zion every episode. People will hate us, but he was really good. He's going to continue to be really good. It was fun to watch him. Uh, and hopefully, you know, one day the Bulls can have a player of that caliber who can, you know, be one of the 10 best players in the league and take them up uh, another level. 
Yeah, there was another pass he made. It was like an interior pass. It was like a no look pass, big to big type thing. It was it was really good. Just yeah, that kind of the finishing, the playmaking. Just and he's still so young and he has so much time to develop. Like he's gonna be he's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, we're not gonna talk about Zion that much anymore on this podcast and until the Bulls play the Pelicans again. I can't remember when that actually is, but it will be fun to watch. That should be the Pelicans will be a fun team to watch throughout the season, uh, and hopefully the Bulls are as well. Uh, do you have any leftover thoughts here before we wrap up here? I know we d- we didn't touch on Lowry that much, but I think he was just kind of fine. Like I wouldn't, I, I don't have anything like novel to say about him, but I think we've basically touched on almost everything. You got anything else before we wrap it up here? No, nah, it's great to have the Bulls back. I think that the talent on this team is way improved. That's immediately evident in the first two preseason games. I think that they're going to be right there for the eighth seed. It's going to be fun. I hope they can stay healthy. Uh, and if they do, they're they're gonna give us some some good stuff to talk about this year. It's the talent level is just so much higher than it has been recently. Yeah, it absolutely it should be a lot of fun. Uh, the Bulls play next. I believe they play the Pacers again tomorrow night, and then they play Sunday again. And I think that's against maybe the Hawks. I'm looking that up really quick because I think we got a couple more pods before we actually, uh, or a couple more games before we pod next week. Yeah. Uh, so it is, oh, the, the Hawks is actually the last preseason game. So it's, uh, Pacers, Pacers, uh, and Friday. And then actually it might be the Raptors looking this up real quick. Performance. Yeah. Bulls at Raptors Sunday, 5 PM Bulls at Pacers Friday night, 6 PM. So we'll have those two games to talk about next week. And then we'll have just the, the final preseason game against the Hawks. And then we started up October 23rd, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I said this on Twitter during the game the other night, the Hornets are going to be fucking awful. So the Bulls will have a great chance to come out and ha- and start the year on the right note. But first, we got a few more preseason preseason games to go through. Hopefully, we get through that healthy. Hopefully, Wendell Carter comes back soon. But uh, until next week, this has been uh, it's been fun to talk about the Bulls playing actual basketball again. As always, from cash considerations, please uh, shout out to Blue Wire. Please follow Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. Please go check out all the other pods now. That the NBA is back. Tons of great NBA coverage across the Blue Wire network. A lot of fun stuff there. A lot of great pods to listen to if you're if even if, if you're a fan of other teams or just if you want to listen to a perspective from around the league. Obviously, we have another great Bulls podcast. Our guy Mark at Bulls HQ. Please go listen to him as well. Um, and for us, Cash Consideration Chicago Bulls Pod. Please go rate and review us anywhere you listen to your pods. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, Google Play. Can't speak English, my God. Uh, and besides that, that's been all for us this week. Cash Consideration Chicago Bulls Pod. I'm Jason. And Ricky, it's been a great time. Bulls are back. Take it easy, Ricky. We'll talk to you next week.